When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's just a big family. And just being a part of the largest African-American cast in the series ever was super special to all of us. And when we took that portrait, we was like, do you know we just made history? Like just for all us in this room, but just to have all that black just right there like that. You know what I mean? And we we grew up like no no prejudice bone in my body. But it's just like black is beautiful, man. And there's like, you know, so many people around the world just like, like just come towards these different characters and everywhere I'm, they slam. Oh my God, slam. You know, and it's like, you just the superstar outside of the superstar. Hey everybody, I'm Kobe. And I'm Dave. And this is The Wire Strips. We're the podcast that goes through each episode of The Wire week by week. And you're going to be hearing from us. You're going to be hearing from the people that made The Wire. Uh, and then you're also going to be hearing from you, the listeners. Yeah, thank you very much for, for contributing to our podcast that you're listening to. You're it's, welcome. It's a feedback loop. <laughs> uh, if you do want to get in contact with us and you can't get through on the burner message, which will come up later on, we are on social media. We're at The Wire Stripped on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and on with the episode. So this is season four, episode five. It's a good one. It's called Alliances. And here is us. I have to throw now to us in the past. When you walk through the garden, you gotta watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow track. When you walk with Jesus, he's gonna save your soul. Just gotta keep the devil way down in the hole he got the fire and the fury so dave where are we so kobe just uh, for the benefit of the listeners we are uh in a in a car mm-hmm. hunkered down uh hiding from chris's zombie army of the dead yes yes i'm in a car because we need the protection i've seen zombie land um he doesn't talk about hiding in a car, but he has a rule, list of rules. <laughs> yeah, that should be one of the rules. Yeah, hide in the car. Find a car. Hide in it. Because you want to be mobile. Yeah, you want to be mobile right. and somewhat protected. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, we've we got the guys, we've got the four boys of summer, they're talking about reanimation of zombies because they don't know what's happened to these dead bodies, to these bodies that's yeah. d- I, disappearing. I love this. I love this like idea of... Um, these boys trying to process this information mm. and then just applying this like beautiful like childhood imagination to it all like they've like uh there's an innocence to it Absolutely. all like, swapping campfire stories kind of vibe yeah. as these these boys but it's just this dark subject matter but it's but it's so um instantly familiar isn't it it is definitely they should be like say in in the woods somewhere um roasting marshmallows not talking about zombies, but 
yeah, everyone exchanges scary stories when when you when you're that kind of age. But these ones are kind of entrenched in what they think real life is. They've seen some yeah. bodies go up the hill. So not bodies. They've seen some people go up the hill, and nobody comes back. And no one comes back, yeah. and they're just waiting for them to come back. Yeah. Um, but it's and, so adorable in a way, but uh, and <laughs> horrifying in another way. But this is them. This is yeah. This is them trying to make sense of their world. Yeah. You know, and I see it with my kids asking questions. You know, with, like why do where did trees come from? And it's just like this this innocent naivety, <laughs> and that that the, but they're able to. You see, Brandy's believing it and scared. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's like you you've got there's a a level of um, of maturity that a lot of them don't have except dookie who seems to know straight away dookie the shining lights yeah well he knows what's up because he sees all <laughs> <laughs> but i mean dookie dookie again this is part of the heartbreak of dookie he's the, clearly the most bright one there but he's got the the least favorable circumstances yeah um and uh, you know part of the heartbreak is i mean we see in this episode Pres Belusi of Pres, fuck Presbo as they as the teacher said to him as the, as the kid <laughs> said to him, um, offering Dookie some food. Oh, it's so sweet, isn't it? He just said, "Dude, yeah. I've got some. I've got some spare. I've made too much. I've made too much lunch." I love that, but he, yeah, yeah, exactly. He does it in a way that um, doesn't uh, apply pity to Dookie. No, right? Okay, like it's 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 that you know he's smart enough to 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 make it seem like it's not. A handout or generally yeah exactly it's just like it's not it's not charity oh, help me charity out here, stuff, yeah yeah uh, even though it's a little bit on the note i'm sure it, du- dookie's probably too smart <laughs> to realize that but also dookie's not proud no because he can't afford to be you know he needs to eat because he's not getting he's not getting food back at home yeah yeah well i like i like this this is prez's humanity coming through he's you know he's so empathetic in this in this season and it's, it's such a different prez than we saw in season one yeah right when he was like blinding a, a kid in the, in <laughs> in the, the high rises. rises i mean oh, like, how hell. did we get here like i say it's just this is the this is the genius of ed burns and david simon and giving people character arcs over episodes and over seasons and over the whole series and prez's character arc is one of the most profound ones and um you know we'll see it time and time again through this yeah. the season He's the opposite of Walter White. Yes. <laughs> Breaking, Breaking good. good yeah. <laughs> it was very interesting that when I got there, I saw Jermaine. And if this kid would have got it, it would have been a different character. I think they was they, they cast it perfectly for Dookie because Jermaine just had this innocence about him. This is, of course, the one and only Naaman, played brilliantly by Julito McCullum. Even with us four boys, he always was that kind of standalone kind of you can tell he was different, even just his personality. Uh, and the other kid was just—he was a New Yorker, you know. He was a—you know—he had that rough, that rough piece to him. Um, so I, they, you know, the cast and directors, man, Pat Moran, you know, Alexa Fogel—they were just perfect, man. They—they they knew their stuff and they casted the, the show extremely well. Prez was, you know, when he first started out, he was just kind of that, like, "Gosh, this guy's annoying." Um, and that's what's I think great about a show like this because it's sort of it sort of uh, reflects real life and where you meet a person for the first time and maybe you meet them in a circumstance where you're just like, eh, you're not vibing with that person. And then you get to know that person or, you know, you, you, that the initial, like the public sort of facing um, exterior persona fades away and you meet 
the real person. This is Jennifer Wood. She's the editor of Mental Floss. Prez's storyline, as much as one could think like, oh, this is like, you know, he's he's left. He was never meant to, you know, he was never meant to, to do to be <laughs> a part of that team. Um, he was great with like, you know, the researching and stuff. But I thought that that character was so well suited to to working with kids and, you know, just the way he interacted um, with the students and really inspired, you know, some of them, uh, you know, to sort of do better and to and the way that he also adapted just knowing what, you know, what their lives were like and, and having that sort of institutional knowledge of this is the life these kids lead. So let me teach them in a way that's going to make sense to them, you know, instead of Sally leaves the train station at two, you know, let's do, hey, like you're a corner boy, like, you know, let, let's let's make it applicable. Yeah, like let's make it applicable to like what their everyday experience is. And I, I love that storyline. I loved, you know, just seeing him sort of find his place um, it's also heartbreaking, you know, and you see the other more seasoned teachers who are like, don't fall in love with these kids. You know, they're not your children. Everything that we see and we know about the storyline and the characters, it was so intentional. This is, of course, the actor that brought Juki to life. This is Jermaine Crawford. Like, this is who this person is and why. This is who this person is and why. This is the station house. This is the courtroom. This is the street. And it's just everybody's character was just like so strategic um it, it's just kind of masterful like everybody was fighting for something even presbo because in watching it in my early 20s i was kind of like i don't like this character you know i mean he shot the black guy like you know but um it it, it went to show that like he wasn't sure of himself you know, he put himself, he really didn't put himself in that position, but like the privilege of it all, like I said, it kind of got him in that space. But, um, Ed Burns, David Simon, they did such a great job of just adding depth to each character. We knew what they were fighting for. Everybody was fighting. Even This would be a better question for Ed Burns, because I will say that's, that was totally his experience having taught after he had done 20 years as a detective in Baltimore Police Department. Ed did seven years. Um, teaching middle school at, at a, first, well, he taught middle school at Hammond, and then he taught a little bit of high school at City College. This is David Simon, the creator of The Wire. Those were his experiences. And I will say, um, he was enduring at the point at which No Child Left Behind was gearing up. And those artificial and uh, sort of prefab notions of what progress looks like in an educational setting, um, were problematic. Um, cause a lot of the same things we saw in the police department, uh, were, um, the gaming of the system. As soon as they create a stat, there's three guys in the basement trying to figure out how to game that stat and make it look like there's progress, but there's no progress at all. And that was true in every agency I ever looked at. It's true in journalism too, in some, some basic ways. Um, it's always a so that was a particular target of those years. And I'm not sure, I can't speak to every, you know, since that was basically a legal and policy paradigm that was thrown over the top of education in America at that moment. I'm not sure if I, I should speak too generically about it in other places. But 
Yeah, that it's such an eff to me it's such an ineffable thing how to teach a kid to think on his own. That's the hard thing. To to make to make a kid a thinker. Um and to make him question the first thing that comes is put in front of him and maybe ask a few more questions and think a little harder and, and trust his own judgments. That's epic. That seems to be the, the height of great teaching. Um, whether or not you can make the kid respond to test questions might not be the best metric. I know, again, with Duke, he, with Duke and, and the zombies, he's like to the guys, not zombies, they're just dead people. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not a sixth sense thing. I don't see dead people in the ghost way. They're just, they're just come on, I'll show you. Look, it's a yeah, because he, he shows he shows Randy the <laughs> the, dead the body, body. Yeah. yeah, which is fucking horrible. It's interesting watching the two of them in that in that scene and how they both their reactions are so different. Because mm. Dookie is very pragmatic as well, isn't he? Like, because he's as you said is is dealing with these such unfavorable circumstances, his life is could not get any worse, and he treats death as very matter of fact. Yeah. And, and he's quite intelligent. Whereas Randy is profound, seems profoundly affected well, by, I, by this, makes, as he would be. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, totally. Uh, you see a dead, decomposing body just there, maybe uh, on your route to school, kind of yeah. thing. It's, it's kind of, it's got to be horrible. Um, I wouldn't want that <laughs> for anyone. See, he ain't move. Blood still stuck to his hair. He dead. He dead. Legs too. He dead, they all is. Feel better? Don't act wrong, yo. No special dead. It's just dead. Brandy seems the most kind of sheltered of, of all of them. Or the most sort of protected from the outside, you know, influences of the. Well, I mean, way. yeah, I mean, he doesn't. He's got the benefit of Miss Anna. Um, she seems like a really positive influence. She does, yeah. yeah. She she kills, she holds into account. Yeah, she's right because Naaman has probably got the most money, but then his he knows his money comes from his dad. And Plus his mother is just the worst. His, his mother's just the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows his dad was in the drug trade and he knows his dad is there because he's in prison because he's killed a lot of people. Yeah. Whereas Naaman is not in you know, not in a great place, but at the same time he's protected. He doesn't have to you know care he gets clean clothes every night, you presume if he needs it. So it's not like Dookie in that way. Yeah. Um he doesn't have to protect his, his little brother from you know, he doesn't have to take care of a little brother, he just has to take care of himself. And that's where he's probably in that position where he can do a bit of the wheeler dealing and, you know, sell sell candy to the to, yeah. to the to the youngst the youngsters at school because he's in that position where he can benefit from that. Um how sweet that he and he, how sweet is that he says he wants to set up his own business. Yeah. As well. awesome. like he's 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 able to dream, which he can dream. You he's can imagine Dookie's not doesn't really have he can't could, afford to, to dream, can he? No, he's not in that position where he can Yeah. He can't buy, like, the, the bulk candy so he can sell some to make a profit in the I first know. place. Because his people take them. We were kids, you know, we had fun. You just enjoy each other's company. This is the voice of Nathan Corbett, who played Donut. We, we deal with kids' view. You know, kids with makeup, kids, we were brothers, you know, so 
we are brothers, so it's like, you know, we did what the kids did, but we had fun, man. We were, it was nothing serious, you know, we were always, it was always fun, you know, working with people like Tristan, you know, and Julito, he was already, like, seasoned, working on Merkle's Boys, and Maestro was, like, on, been on tour with, like, Disney or some, like, crazy stuff, and, like, opened up for, like, Tokyo, Disney, and Japan, something crazy. Maestro was doing crazy stuff, so he was, like, signing to so deaf at the time, so it was, like, my show was my show was the type of kid that was coming in wearing all of the clothes that you would like see online. Like as a kid, you would be like, "Yo, how do you get these?" Before you could just like go online and just buy whatever you want, right? And be like, "Yo, how do you get these clothes?" And then my show would like walk in the next day with all of that new shit on, and it's like, "Yep, that's how my show do," you know. And um, Tristan was awesome, you know. Working with Tristan is dope, you know. Tristan is such a, a kind, warm-hearted person, you know. Right, as you all know, we do have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the wire stripped. But we now have another way you can help us out and the Ella Thompson Fund. Yeah, so if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe to us um, to get a lot of the same benefits as a Patreon account, but it makes it easier if you want to help contribute to the lovely people at Ella Thompson Fund, who, just to remind you, I'm sure we've said a few times this episode already, but they help support underprivileged kids in Baltimore in the way that Cutty did in The Wire. Uh, yeah, so you can get access to our episodes early. You can get access to our full uh, interviews uh, with the cast and crew, uh, including our extended interview with uh, David Simon. No adverts on there as well. And also Basking in the Glory, they help you out a lot of lovely people in Baltimore and the kids there. It's simple. If you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll up the feed now and there's a button for you to click on and it costs less than the price of a coffee every month to support lots of lovely people. One thing I loved about this is um, this kind of interaction with the kids. You see, you, you, see, you see them playing around with Prez a bit more. And that point where Prez finds out he can't find his car key. Um, oh, so good. And he goes to his car and says, oh, I've left it inside the car. And then Donut comes along and goes, I'll oh, just... I'll open that for you, kid. <laughs> so, what are you doing? I love that, though. That's Donut using his powers for good. <laughs> right? But is it, though? Is it like, <laughs> Prez is like, uh, I'm an ex-cop. You're just breaking into my car, but also you're helping me out. So where does that leave me? I don't know. We'll call it quits. <laughs> it's, absolutely. It's brilliant. You got Donut who stole cars, right? Then it's levels. It's levels. And if you remove ego, right, and pride aside, right, which is what I, I, I've removed the ego, and you look at it and it's like, man, I'm thankful that they were able to incorporate Donut, right, into this show with all of these amazing character dynamics, right? So it's almost just like, Man, people like so so to touch back on like man, I would have liked to see more donut. It's it's like man, donut served the purpose. This wasn't a show for comic relief for you to be ha ha kiki and you know this is a show to highlight real issues, real injustices, real shit that's going on in places all across the world. You got to think about it. Like if you guys can relate to the wire in, in English, right? And I have it's fans. It's fans in Serbia. A fan from Serbia sent me a T-shirt not too long ago with all the characters on it, right? And he's like, "Man, the why just reminds me so much of home, right?" And so when you think of all of these characters that bring such a dynamic and what the show was really for, it really was it's not a comedy, right? And so for me to be the comic relief and to be incorporated in the show that much, I'm just you know, 
I'm just internally thankful for, for sure. Jim True Frost, what was cool was, uh, we connected, uh, we bought it because he also, he had done theater at the Steppenwolf. You're listening to Maestro Harrell, who played Randy Wagstaff. Here in Chicago. And I had just come off of The Lion King two years prior. So, uh, and I was in Cadillac Palace. And uh, I, I also did uh, Raising the Sun with too. So, like, you know, we were talking about all that kind of stuff. And he's like, you know, he's a real trained actor, really, you know, really on his stuff. Um, but yeah, he was, he was just great. Like, that was one of the coolest things. Like, he wasn't thought, like, as far as how Presbyluski comes across as a nice guy, generally speaking, especially after all he's been. <laughs> but, uh, Jeff True Foss was really just a, he was a really great guy. He was really, that's another thing I loved about that show. Everybody who was there, it never, say with Dominic Lombardozzi, like, what, like, it never felt, it, it, it really did feel coheat. Like these guys were, they were cool. Like, you know what I mean? They weren't, it wasn't that awkwardness of like, oh, okay, now let me go shoot these scenes with the white kids and keep pushing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I've been on set. I know what that feels like. I've always been the, I've always been the black kid. And I've always generally been the one black guy on shows. So like, I'm telling you, it's a vibe. It's like, uh, Hey, like, yeah, no, you're, you're nice. But like, okay, buddy, that was, that well, yeah, that wasn't the vibe. Like, like these were the same guys who like, you know, like, I don't know. It's like, they sit next to you and just talk to you during, you know, when we were during, uh, during lunch or craft, well, you know what I mean? It wasn't, uh, and, and everybody was always super like, they loved seeing the group of us. Like they loved seeing like the kids. Cause that, I think that was another part of it too. These guys had been on this show. And the show was so serious. And it was all these just grown-ups all the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you could say, like, Wallace was a kid. But, like, you know, Mike B wasn't that, that young. Like, you know what I mean? Like, everybody was, you know, at least a certain age. But, like, with us, the oldest person we had was 17. So it was like, you know, whether it was watch, whether it was just, like, you know, I was walking to sit with our iPod. And it was just kind of like, well, look at these. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And, every, it, was, and, and it was just cool because everybody, I do think that's why a lot of people do say they love season four because it's just like, you draw off the energy of it because it's it's such an uninnocent show. So to see any innocence in it at all, it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of dope. Well, I mean, just going back to casting Long Shadow, we do see... Um... Naaman and his mum, Delonda, go to visit Weebay in the prison. And Weebay's talking about how Marla would have just been stepped on and and taken care of early on. Yeah. Like we yeah, Weebay is reminding us all of how different the Barksdale organization ran things. Yeah. Right? They had a code, they had rules, they you know, they you wouldn't be killing civilians like we see in this episode. Well that's brutally. it. You would, you, Omar's rules Within the guys within the game, they're on the streets. Omar's rules are like the pinnacle. Then, quite way down, you have to, um, everyone else. You'd think, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not yeah. killing civilians because that yeah. just makes sense. No more bodies. That's it's the bodies that bring the, the police, not the drugs. Yeah. And then even lower than that, you have Marlow, who understands the bodies bring police, but he's, he's got his own way to sort that. But at the same time, he's that's killing innocents. Working innocence. in his favor. Yeah. Right. He's he wants to bring the police to Omar. Yeah. Right? That's why, and that's what he's doing here. And and it's it's a brilliant move, mm. right? And it's Chris's idea, and which shows us how intelligent Chris is. Yeah. Shows us that Marlo listens to Chris. Yeah. Um, that he's not just a, um, he's not a dictator. He listens. 
wisely to the council his of, people. His, uh, yeah. of his people. Um, but but it shows us that Chris is as fucking cold <laughs> as Marlowe is. My God, it's, it's such a horrible setup. To, well, it was a lovely setup to the scene because I couldn't remember. I didn't remember it happening this way. But Chris is there. How do you do to the delivery lady? Uh, helps. Let me help you with that. Yeah, helps her in. Uh, pulls a gun out. Bam, kills her. And then does a one eighty. Pistol whips old old face Andre and says, "Now who's the guy that did this to you?" And old face Andre's like, "It was it was Omar, sir." And and what does he skip off into the distance? He doesn't. Yeah. He does not give one shit. No, 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 no regret. He's all business. No. He's like, they're all just they're just a different breed. Like I cannot imagine um, Barksdale ordering that. No. Like right, I mean Barksdale, Barksdale wouldn't even Barksdale went gave out went nuts when two of his uh, soldiers went at Omar on a Sunday, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like that. It's like... Never not on, never on no Sunday. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. And well, was it Prop Joe? I think in the previous season, he had that conversation with, uh, with Stringer Bell telling him about this well-regarded gangster. And he said, do you know, do you know this guy? And Stringer Bell's like, no, I don't. This because you're right, because he kept his fucking head down. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's exactly. that's the same cloth that Prop Joe is. Yeah. Um, Marlowe's crew are. They're not stupid, but also that they're not reckless. But they there's a thing to them, isn't there? There's a kind of like lack of care, there's an arrogance. Yeah, isn't there? It must there's be, that's there's it, a think. brazenness. Yeah. But it's like it. But it's and that it it is um, really encompassed by that. Um, what we saw him do in in the last episode. Yeah. When he's walked into a shop and was just shoplifting in front of a security. Take two lollipops. He's doing the same thing on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. With the police, he's no one is. He doesn't see any anything as out of bounds. There are no rules. He's making his own rules. He's making his own game. You know, you see it one way, but it's another way. Yeah. These steps. Thank you, baby. You're good to go. Dave, producer Todd, producer Oldie, and it was great to hear you all are back. And it was all through college on the corner and started. And I definitely want to say season four was one of those seasons that are going to pull at our heartstrings, as well as making us think about what cities do to young people, especially young black men. And as we know, one of the upcoming epigraphs from Chris Parlow that says, if you with us, you with us. And referencing Michael's eventual joining with Chris and Snoop. But we know Michael was never with them. But honestly, none of them were ever with the gang. It's just that the gang was all there was and all there is in most of these cities. And so it gives us a window to what young Avon and young Stringer and young Weebay, as well as a young Bunk and a young Omar, must have gone through uh, just to make it out or make it to the point in which we see them on the show 
look forward to future episodes. Take care, you all. Thanks so much for leaving the burner messages. If you guys who are listening now think, hey, I can do that, I can leave a 30 second message, um, you can do. You know, just go to um, WhatsApp, record a voice memo, and dial in the number plus 447534831658. That's plus 447534831658. Um, There's a nice th- little dance you just did. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're really missing out, listeners. Um, and if uh, you didn't catch that number, go to our socials and you can get it there. Or you can just email us your voice because uh, you can email voices now and you do that at burner at thewirestripped.com um, If you want to get your voice on the podcast even more than other people as well as a bunch of other perks that we have um, go to our patreon.com forward slash thewirestripped and one of the perks is as a patron person you get priority access to our burner and all the drugs we have <laughs> Sorry, we don't have any drugs so. No We've got a limited amount of pandemic left, but it's... <laughs> right, let's check in at the Carchetti campaign office. We've got a surprise visitor. Major Stan Valchek. Is that the first time this season? I think so. Uh, but he comes yeah. in with his big shit-eating grin <laughs> yeah. and his hat perched just so. We could just see his beady eyes yeah. like underneath it. Uh, the absolute glee <laughs> with which he delivers. Fiddly D, I've got news. a thing for you. <laughs> <laughs> he just loves it. This man lives off trading information. It does. Yeah. Inside of trading. He loves it. Um So he's tipped him off as to the shenanigans at the homicide department. The cascade effect of Royce telling Burrell to slow down the state's witness murder investigation. Yeah. Which ends up being pulling off an experienced officer, detective, and putting a whole rookie. She's been there, what, a day or two? Yeah, yeah, Greg's is Greg's is on the biggest case she, of her life. She, suddenly taking Straight point in away. this case. And obviously that filters back to other people. And one of them being Valchek, and he's like, guys, have I got something for you? And <laughs> uh, you go. just remember me. If you make mayor, just remember me, Tommy. <laughs> the... um. I love things like this. I love when you. I love when you watch one bit of information, or one uh, uh, one decision trickle through every yeah. plot in, percol- the, in, percolates in the wire. Through, yeah, it? yeah, it's amazing. It's like the ring. It's like this ring which we're watching uh, at the poker game. You oh know, yeah, the, the ring that Marlowe steals from uh, uh, what's his name? Um, the previous guy. The the shop owner. Um, Old face Andre. Old face Andre. Then Omar takes it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, I lo- I lo- it's the same kind of thing. It's Follow the ring, <laughs> <laughs> which makes uh, Marlo the Lord of the Rings. It does. Uh, well, Omar at the moment. That's true. Um, and on the other side, we have so we have Valchek going to Carchetti, uh, but we also have Rawls going to Carchetti. Yeah. Um, Rawls plays a good game here, doesn't he? He, yeah, he's, he's well, he's backing both horses. Yeah, because he's got Burrell. So, uh, well, as it when it leaks, because uh, Carcetti leaks it to Gray. Yeah. Um, and uh, Royce is not happy. <laughs> Chews out Burrell. <laughs> Suddenly, Rawls is in pole position mm-hmm. if uh, if Royce wins. Yeah. But then he puts himself in pole position if Carchetti wins as well Beautiful. by handing off the same bit of information. Oh. And he even had a guy in uh, in Royce's office who phones him up when yeah, he yeah. sees Watkins leaving. Like, he's plugged in. It is. 
you're only as good as your own criminal informant. That's what that's what Greg said. That's right. You're right. And, and that's what's going on here. It's all about the information. It's all about the information. So Rawls has set him up to so that set himself up so that whoever wins, he wins. So yeah, you know, well played, sir. And I love the way he turns up um, to see Wilson and Carcetti saying, "Guys, Royce has screwed it with Odell Watkins. If you skip over there now, you will scoop him up and have him in your pocket." And then saunters into his car, and the, and the look of restraint as as Wilson and Carcetti <laughs> yeah, were. I love that. <laughs> Don't look at him. Wait until he turns around the corner. Let's go. <laughs> Peg it to the car, and you, you can see the smoke like screech the tire screeching. So good. That felt like there 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 was more glee there, but that that was like the boyhood enthusiasm of the of our four boys, right? It was like yeah, they, yeah. like they were little kids again. <laughs> I think that that's what's really great about about the wire is that it does bring all these things together because they're not separate things. You know what I mean? The police do you know a a police sergeant is maybe looking to become you know they want to work their way up the ladder these are jobs people are getting paid to do you know a a politician doesn't maybe they go into it or think they go into it for the love of of you know country and and but they can't get ahead if you're not going to do some some shady shit or at least stand up against people doing some shady shit basically um so it's it's all political is really you know kind of what it boils down to and i just mean that even from like you know in the case of looking at you know the the barksdale you know sort of group it's like that's political the way that the way that they operate you know d'angelo gets busted and now he's you know he's knocked back down a peg like he you know there's there's this constant movement and it's all reflective you know of the same of the same sort of system that that system that that kind of finds that institutionalism i guess you know that sort of finds its way into all these aspects but what but i gotta gotta say royce royce had that coming and watkins chewing him out i found like incredibly satisfying <laughs> right because this is all his own bad mistakes coming back to haunt him yeah. like Watkins says you slowed down that is investigation you told Burrell to do that which Watkins clearly wasn't happy about because it was not awful thing to do mm-hmm. right he's playing with murder investigations for his own political aims yeah um, you know, he says you. You know, you put uh, someone else on the on on the ticket when I asked you for Daniels. Yeah, that yeah. was a bad move by by Royce. He accuses him of being in bed with every property developer, uh, who we saw at the poker game. All stringer bells, old pals. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, he names the <laughs> drops the name Clay Davis, who everyone in the world seems to know is corrupt, uh, but yet maintains his position. Um, and then he then he accuses him of alienating or uh, or playing. Forgetting who where he came from, his mm. base, right? You know, he's he's playing the, um, you know, he's uh, he's playing the uh, African flag on his campaign. Yeah, so it's this cheap uh, tactics. He's, he's going back to oh shit, I might lose this. I need to make sure my base is well. He tries, yeah, tries to grease the palms of his of who he sees as his core yeah. base, even though it's almost he doesn't really give that much of a shit about them. Um, and he's only doing it because he suddenly feels threatened. He's, he's too far so, removed from yeah, them. He is. 
And he's, he's even shaving his beard. He's desperate. <laughs> <laughs> to look younger and leaner. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's a big coup. It's a big It's a big thing. Watkins says, I'm not going to support you anymore. And Carchetti, I love the pitch they make. That, look, Royce needs you now, as do I. But once, if Royce wins... He'll forget about you. Yeah, he'll forget about you. Yeah. And I'll need you afterwards. Yeah. And it's like... Damn, Tommy. Okay, well done. <laughs> Tommy, Tommy played a good game here. I'll take it up with anyone you want me to. I know you want Daniels in the 11th and Stokes in the 10th. I'll keep away from any tickets you think I might harm. I know I'm not everyone's idea of a bargain on your side of town. Hmm. But right now, a week from the primary, the fact is, Royce and I both need you. After the election, the equation changes for him, but not for me. I'm a white mayor in a majority black city. And if I'm going to do anything and delegate, I am so serious about fixing this city, I'm going to have to govern by consensus. And if you support me, you will have a voice within my administration simply because I'm going to need it. Last poll that Clarence showed me, he was up by seven points. Bullshit. I'm within four. Can we talk about... Marimo's strategy for uh, taking down the most dangerous criminal <laughs> on the streets of Baltimore. Is is there a strategy? <laughs> it's easy. It's like uh, you, we're going to do some low-level sweeps. <laughs> going to bust some heads. Going to get those handoffs. Even Ronda's Rond, like looking at this like, you dickhead. Like she said, I'm not going to prosecute. She tells him straight up, I'm not going to prosecute. I know. And it's like, I don't, this. This I don't care. I don't care. It's like, that's your problem. Which is nonsense. Just like, <laughs> it is nonsense. Daniels has just kind of got his his little smirk on. It's like, right? I love Daniels, and he's just like, yeah, <laughs> sure, you can have my men. He's like, this is it's not how I would run it. This is pointless. This is pointless. But here, you got some people. Pay them overtime. And then they're, they're, they're knocking on the wrong. They go to the wrong address. One one of the squads. I mean, it's just, it's, pathetic. it's comedy. It's pathetic. Yeah. And what's what's sad about that is, Herc is. Happy as picking shit. Even oh, though yeah. he's had the benefit of seasons one to three of The Wire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's had the benefit of Kima. He's had the benefit. Like Kima in the first episode, so look, there's always two guns. So Kima's like knew how to do it. He's had the benefit of working with Daniels, had the benefit of working with Lester. Yeah. And he's still an idiot. <laughs> but he's not. Yeah, you, you're, <laughs> he is, you're, he's not a willing student. No, like, that's the difference. No, no, Prez. We were talking about Prez earlier, you know, and how, with the trajectory he's been on. Like, yes. Herc has not changed an iota since no. the first episode of episode <laughs> one. The tagline of this show was "Listen carefully," right? He was not listening. Like Herc, Herc is. Happy, as you said, happy as a pig and shit in this environment, just like playing cop, playing a shaft music, driving around, <laughs> busting heads, right? But he gets... But I think what Herc thinks he has grown and experienced a lot, right? Because he tries to play MCU when Marimo gives him the opportunity, right? It's like, right, go take this Marlo guy down. And Herc's like, yeah. It's like, suddenly it's like, what if season one of The Wire, but Herc is in charge? Exactly. And that's... <laughs> That means there'll be no more wire because nothing would happen. Nothing no. nothing good would be achieved. <laughs> nothing good. What you get is like a group of lads playing cop. It just always feels like Herc's just playing cop or what he thinks his well, cop that, is. That scene where he they, they set up the surveillance. Yeah, they're running around like ninjas. 
Well, if they if they're running around ninjas, that would have been okay. But they're running around like fucking imbeciles, Very loud ninjas. Yeah, with <laughs> yeah. With, with like bright rave clothing on. They could have <laughs> not been any louder. I know. They did it at night. Well, giant done. white van. Yeah, like fucking heavy engine van, which yeah. never appears before. Everyone walks. Everyone walks to that spot. I know, right? So if a car turns up, then it's cause for concern. <laughs> oh my god. In 1989. Dunning and Kruger published a study on cognitive bias in perceived versus actual competence. People with low competence at their job tend to perceive themselves as higher relative to their measured or actual competence. The reason for this is that they don't know enough to know their incompetence. This is Wire aficionado and friend of the pod, Joe Kiley. This brings us to Herc. All the signs point to Herc not having the brains to be sergeant. His score slipped in three years from 18 to 32, partly due to more candidates scoring higher, partly due to underhand deals like that between Carver and Burrell. When Herc's golden ticket comes with Royce, number one, it's as a result of a total accident. And number two, he's not bright enough to recognise it as an opportunity. Herc only wants to make sergeant for pride and progression, not so he can do anything other than knock heads. He's so clueless that when Major Crimes is mothballed by Marimo, Herc is relieved to return to stale enforcement tactics more suited to his skill set. He may have outperformed Carver on the sergeant test once, but Carver has grown and matured thanks to Colvin, Daniels and the Major Crimes unit. Herc just repeatedly proves that stubbornness and ambition are a dangerous mix. One thing we forgot to mention was that in why uh, you know Marimo's got the wire that he thinks has got all the intelligence there that, that leads to the failed busts. You know, he just turns around to Herc and says, "Where does this guy even hang out?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, just the, the playground around the corner, mate." And oh yeah, Car- Carver Carver knows where. Yeah, so yeah, Carver. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, because uh, Carver's a good police now. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Like, man, Marimo's got all. He's he's the major crimes unit. Should have all the doesn't even know where Marlo is. Where does this out. guy hang out? Yeah. Just like the there. fact that he has to ask that question, and a s- sergeant from the western answers it like the guy is a joke. Where are we with Lex? Where is he? It sounded like I felt like you were my boss looking for an update. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Where are we on the Lex thing? Imagine I'm. Landsman, I got nervous there. Imagine I'm Landsman with like a stack of like nineteen jazz nineteen nineties jazz bags. <laughs> He's still reading the porn, isn't he? What's yeah, up with that? Reading the porn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of good articles in there. <laughs> um, but we have, we have a boy bunk, our boys bunk in Leicester, looking for looking for Lex. Um, desperately, desperately got l- they go everywhere. They go to morgues. They go to well the cor- the coroner's office, the, the sewers. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll do anything. Yeah, they'll go anywhere to find these bodies. Yeah, and end up in Leakin Park. Yeah, which well, is it? I looked. I looked it up. I did because uh, I thought this seems interesting. Uh, it's a real place. Yeah, like I've got loads of Wikipedia facts. <laughs> it was nicknamed the city's largest unregistered graveyard, and a horrible webpage was apparently created to track victims' bodies found in the park. That's how famous it was. So. Podcast listeners, fans of podcasts, um, you may remember Leakin Park being mentioned in series one of Serial. Oh, I, I didn't remember that. This is why um, where where the body was found was in, was in Leakin Park. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. 
I didn't know that. That wasn't on the Wikipedia page. Well, go in and update that. Wikipedia ain't got nothing <laughs> on me. <laughs> you got it. You are the Wikipedia <laughs> king. The um, and then the other bit I found which was interesting was that the uh, they've tried to move away from the stigma. So in 2011, um, a planner, Molly Gallant, a planner with the Baltimore City Department of Recreation and Parks, not Parks and Recreation. Yeah, it's not right, is it? Recreation and parks. <laughs> uh, she led successful efforts to change the park's reputation with community-based campouts and the closure of dead-end access roads. So they've turned it around. Well done. Hard well to done move this. away from that kind of stigma. But yeah, uh, Freeman gives a nice little anecdote about the um, uh, as a, coming uh, to the park as a cadet and looking for a body. And uh, he was told to only take an interest in bodies matching the description or they would be there all day. <laughs> Fucking Which hell. is just dark, isn't mm. it? The last thing to finish on is, well, let's just finish on Bubbles. Yeah, Bubbles and Sherrod. So Bubbles Bubbles catches uh, Sherrod doing some doing a shift at a, at a corner. Yeah, skipping school. Happy. Skipping school. Yeah. And um, uh, Sherrod's customers... Are uh, not happy about the interruption and uh, beat up Bubbles bad for his money. I fucking Just, hate anyone. I know, right? Wales and Bubbles. So I still wouldn't forgive Herc for that. Like season one, was it season one that? Oh he, yeah. He beats up Bubbles. I forgot about that. It's like it's like kicking a puppy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, he's got some. You know, he's he's smart. He's street smart, and he you know he does the drugs, but also he's like he's he, just a nice guy and he he's is. harmless. He wouldn't. You can't imagine Bubbles harming a, no, a, a soul. He, if you put a gun in his hand, he would not be happy with yeah. that at all. So I met Andre on set. He didn't know what I was bringing. I didn't know what he was bringing. I didn't know who he was. You know, it would. You know, you just kind of thrown in the in the mix. Boo hiss. This is Bubbles's tormentor. Played brilliantly by the actor Armando Cadigan Jr. But what's interesting about my first day was when I did the scene with Sherrod and I did the scene with Bubbles, um, I was only meant to do one scene. Like I wasn't a character that they was going to continue to write in the script. So based off my performance and how it turned out, David Simon and Anthony Hemingway they was like, yo, we're going to see you again. Like, we're going to bring you back, right? And that's what really launched the whole Bubba's Tormentor, right? Um, so my first scene was was like, or so, like, who the fuck is this kid? Like, you're like, who? Like, 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 you're like, this kid really has dominated the role. Like, we need to, we need to continue this storyline. So I, you know, I, I credit myself a lot because. And based off my performance, made people want to continue to watch and write more of this kid. Like that's why I don't have a name because they were developing the story. It's just Bubba's Tormentor. It's never like, oh, that's so and so. It's just Bubba's Tormentor. You know, there were many deleted scenes, the scenes that you guys never seen. It would have ended the career of the Bubba's character. I mean, of the Bubba's Tormentor characters. I got arrested, but that never aired. I, I uh, they killed me. That never aired. Yep. Yeah, so the writers like, nah, we not gonna, we not gonna use that. We gonna just keep this going. You know what I'm saying? So there were scenes that couldn't happen, and I would just, I just would have been, oh, the guy that beat him up in one episode, and the guy that died the next episode, right? Or the guy that got arrested the next episode. But they was like, nah, let's scratch that. Let's continue to get this going because I was one of those characters where you know how they make they show previews of a show. They were using me to bring in the audience, but I wasn't the biggest role on the actual series. 
but I'm I'm the dramatization. I'm the fight. I'm the I'm the I'm the draw. So I I'm 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 happy that the writers was they it was like you know what let's continue with this guy. Let's not let's not write him off yet. I guess that leads to bubble said to Sherrod like you can stay tonight, but otherwise you're out. And we talked about it last episode where Sherrod is I don't know he, Bubbles feels responsible for him and but also if it leads to him getting beaten up and you know losing his livelihood then he's, he's just got to the stage where he feels it has to cut him loose yeah I think Bubbles is on the on the on the edge here mm. yeah he said but he gives him the ultimatum that if he doesn't go to school then he he can't exactly. stay with him right? yeah because he's trying to groom like not groom him he's trying he's trying to um Nurture him into a yeah into a businessman <laughs> in his ways. That's what that's so, where this all started, right? He he's needed, trying to make him once a partner sell more t-shirts. Yeah, it's, it's all about the whiteies. That's what it all comes back to. <laughs> right there, we have it. We have reached the end of episode five alliances, and thank you uh, to everyone who took the time to chat with us for this episode. Yeah, just a little note: we do uh, write a list of everyone who's contributed. Um, hopefully with all their their social media accounts so if you do check our show notes and want to connect with um or or follow these guys and girls and lovely people then just go to our show notes and follow them there um one thing that's a really big help for our podcast is transcription automated transcription and we use sonics uh sonics.ai forward slash invite forward slash strips if you want to try some transcription software and get a lovely discount for when you join up and a big thank you to Michael Balistreri, um, who is at Black Snow Comics on Instagram, who made our lovely season for um, artwork. And a thank you yeah. to Izzy Lawrence, uh, who who made our logo. Yeah, thanks a lot to Sam and Martin for their version of Way Down in the Hole, which is uh, what you can hear right now. Uh, and a, a huge thank you to the uh, glue that brings all of this together, uh, Mr. Producer Obi. That's his official name. This is that's bare on his um, on his birth certificate. Um, lead producer also um, Tom Wally, an editor. Thank you so much for all the amazing stuff you do and the occasional fact check when me and David. I don't know why I call you David. Me and Dave are wrong. <laughs> that never happens. Uh, and uh, if you have noticed that we were wrong about anything, then you can let us know at the wire stripped on all of the social channels that exist. Yeah, um, if you do, we've talked about the Ella Thompson Fund, um, which is the charity in Baltimore that we help support as long as, that we help support as well as the guys from uh, The Wire, that's David Simon, Ed Burns, Nina Ken Noble, Blunt Deadline Productions. Um, do follow us on Patreon, we're patreon.com forward slash The Wire Strips, and all the money that you raise goes to them. And if you haven't already, then please do subscribe to us uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, give us the review as as Kobe coined last week give us the old five star tap give us the five star tap and also just uh, just tell one friend tap one friend and say listen to this podcast yeah tap them on the shoulder put <laughs> put your headphones on them <laughs> you know in a non creepy way yeah set the phone off them <laughs> yeah. put, tap it in and um, you know make them subscribe and then walk away backwards <laughs> while maintaining eye contact <laughs> if you are one of these people who've joined our podcast um, because some stranger freakly uh, <laughs> commandeered your phone please let us know we'd be interested to know if yeah. it ever happens <laughs> um, we're going to be stir crazy here but rest assured we'll be back next week uh, for 
episode six, which is called Margin of Error. See you then. You just heard a stripped media production.